Washington football team is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelzola back here with Sam Watson. You're right, Sam. I'm excited. I'm excited for the midweek show here. Happy Steve. Yeah, great tweeted, to see. We tweeted it out as a teaser. Big smile on my face because we're sitting here talking football. Well, you've been you're refreshed. You had a little uh, day break. I did. You went we away took, for a day. We took a little night <laughs> excursion to the uh, to the Wolf. By Lodge the way, thing. I I drove in. This is not. Unrelated. Tremendously connected to that, other than the fact that you drove somewhere and I just drove in. Uh, I drove past a car today that was covered in like three inches of snow. There what? is no snow anywhere around it. Where the hell did that car come from? An icebox? Really? Yeah. Yeah, snow melts here pretty quickly. There's no snow anywhere near here. Anywhere. There's snow. There's you, not sometimes up in the hills. In parking lots, you just see it stacked up in the corner of parking right. lots. Right. Like it. the stuff where they've cleared it and it was like a, a snow mountain and it hasn't yet had a chance to clear that's not where the car got it from. Like, I would say that's a big difference for me being here now the last almost six years versus up in New England. The snow does lurk. Like, it just it sticks around. Like, here, it melts pretty quickly after it, after it uh, snows. Well, it's usually warmer. there's a lot more of it. In, there's more of it, and it's not as The more of it there the is, the longer thing. it hangs around. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's got insulative properties. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they came from Detroit or something. I mean, yeah, they'd have, they've got to have come... From somewhere fairly far away. Yeah, and usually the snow falls off the car by you that. You would think, right? Yeah. Maybe they were driving very slow from somewhere very far away, which, again, just adds to the confusion. Yeah. I wish you, you should look into it. <laughs> Track them down. <laughs> I mean, they were heading in the opposite direction in the interstate. It would have been kind of tricky to, you know, chase them down and be like, hey, what the hell? <sighs> Mystery. Maybe Mystery next time, unsolved. No. Uh, if you guys didn't catch Monday's episode, it wasn't just a review of the four games, the craziest divisional weekend or football weekend maybe ever, but it was just a great overall football discussion. It didn't feel like two hours and 45 minutes. It was a crisp <laughs> two hours and 45 minutes. Tight. Yeah. Kept it really tight. We stayed no, on point. No I, feel like, trim the fat. I feel like we left meat on the ball. I feel like there was mm. more to discuss. Yeah, yeah. What are we talking about today? Uh, we got new uh, GM hirings. We got Sean yeah. Payton gone. We uh, got all sorts of fun stuff. None of which we're talking Not about. Not on the show. No. We, uh, we covered the Sean Payton thing on the daily. So if you want to hear us talk about Sean Payton retiring, the Saints, their quote-unquote salary cap hell that's entirely fabricated, go listen to the daily. Uh, it's not going to be here. We are talking about quarterback situations. Is the NFC just boned from here on in? Uh, also... Did that weekend, are, is, are the playoffs right now, are they changing the way we view the upcoming draft and the quarterbacks that are, are going to be available? Like, is this surge, surging of the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts of the world, these freakish athlete, freak arm quarterbacks, does that change the way you look at the draft now? So we'll be hitting that as well. And then obviously, you know, our emails and all that kind of jazz. All right. Well, let's get into it. Like you said, Sean Payton, we discussed it on the daily Uh we do have a couple GM hires. Do, do you want to touch on that at all, quickly? We don't know enough. I mean, we, <laughs> they look like good hire. Bears, Ryan Poles, our boy Quazy, going right. to uh, the Vikings. This is one of those things where, you know, the people that are connected to all these things like both of those hires. They are supposedly smart people who know what they're doing and have glowing reviews based off the work that happens almost entirely behind the scenes that doesn't really get out into the public sphere. So, I mean, I'm one of those people, too. I've interacted with both. I think they're both good hires. Well, there you We're go. good. We're good. All right, so we'll, before we get into the meat of the show, do you want a chance to win the Ultimate Game Day Feast? Whether it's football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? 
or a need to know on your financial future, Western and Southern is teaming up with our own, very, uh, our very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help you get ahead for both your financial and fantasy scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to $2,500, coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on February 13th, 2022. Don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash feast. One more time, it's westernsouthern.com slash feast. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below or on the screen. We already showed you a little bit of it. Remember, West, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. All right, man, where are we going? I want to read an email first. Do so it. send us emails, particularly for this Wednesday show. They kind of they populate the... Uh, the show, that work give us jumping off points for discussions and all those kinds of things. This one isn't really a jumping off point for discussion, but I just thought it was an awesome email. You know, you and I, we're getting kind of old now. Um, this email is from somebody who saw the game, quote unquote, which for people that are young, 1958, the oh, yeah, NFL championship is, game between the Colts email. and the Giants. Good email. So this is an email from a guy called Don Crehan. I think that, that's how that's pronounced. Uh, guys, in 1958, I saw the game, the NFL championship, Colts versus Giants. I was 11 and was wondering what the hell a first down was. But the intensity was unmistakable and unforgettable. I'm now 74 and just saw it again the weekend. No one knew we'd just seen the game until years later looking back on it. We may come to look back on those four games as the weekend. Uh, the weekend we lost Brady, Rodgers, or both. The weekend the torch was passed to a new generation of quarterbacks. The weekend Allen and Mahomes both grew past even their own previous peaks. The weekend Stafford and Cup put, on, put a stake in the heart of Brady's last comeback. The weekend the Rams justified their all-in moves. The weekend Shanahan closed in on his dad. The weekend Cincinnati won a second playoff game despite taking nine sacks. The weekend of four walk-off field goals or touchdowns. You may live a long life, but you'll not see the likes of this again. I just think it's kind of awesome that somebody that saw live the, uh, well, you know, not in person, apparently, but. But as an 11-year-old. Doesn't doesn't say it either way, actually. But uh, somebody that watched the game, a game that happened in 1958 and was sort of widely credited as the thing, the game that, like, sparked football's ascendancy to overhaul baseball to become, you know, the sport in America, that game is is often pointed to as like the turning point it was such a great game that that kind of created this whole spark it's just wild like in this whole world of like let's get on tiktok and let's appeal to the gen zers there's a guy here listening to the show who's 74 who watched that game yeah he's a my dad's 75 he's a year younger than my dad referencing the 1958 nfl championship and feels the the same way about this last weekend that a we did and b that he felt you know, the 1958 game. Paints a good picture, man. I, you know, because we were just talking off air. The, the brady Rogers retirement stuff is probably closer than ever, at least for Brady. It okay. feels closer than ever. So we can use this as a jumping off point. You think one or both of them are done? Yeah, I, I think this is the which closest. One? So which, which? I think Brady's close. You think Brady's done retirement. and Rogers? I think Rogers will come back somewhere. Somewhere or to Green Bay? I don't know if he goes back to Green Bay. Huh. Yeah. So if I, okay, let me. I, the fact that the this Brady feels stuff like, this feels a, like another lunch bet. No, because I, I don't feel yeah. that strongly about it. But the Brady, Coward. the Brady retirement stuff is more real than ever. That's the way it's being positioned around sure. the league. The Rogers stuff is interesting because I don't think he's going to find a better situation other, outside of Green Bay, and he should probably stick around there, especially if they franchise tag Devontae Adams and just. Give it a go. Hey, guys, draft a receiver. Let's go. Let's, I will let's give it one lunch. more shot here in the NFC. I will bet you lunch on either one of those. Are you trying to trying to get back the lunch you owe me about the Daniel Jones grade? No, we swear because the Brandon Graham one counted. That did not the count. The people they, I asked, Twitter poll, the, the listener said it counted. You cannot. So we swear. You don't. There's not an auto renew on that's, bets. That's what the people said. There is said. not. An auto. This is not. Can't argue with the poll. This is the not Netflix. Said. It's not a subscription. You can't. You don't subscribe to bets. The fans agreed that it auto renews unless stipulated otherwise. You never stipulated otherwise. The therefore, fans, it auto renewed. The fans can stick it. No. All right. We're square. So if you want your I'm lunch, go full heel turn on all of our millions of fans right now because want, that is a ridiculous premise. If you want the lunch, you got to bet now. 
I want to go to Alabama's after the show right now, and I want to get the lunch you owe me for Daniel Jones. Let's Isn't that place closed now? It's, it's open again. Oh, is it? Yeah. Sweet. I don't know if they're accepting cards yet, but no. it's open. It's all okay. line out the cool. door. Anyway, I will bet you lunch on either one of these things. And, in fact, both of them if you want to go double or quits. So let me think about it. I don't feel that strongly. I think the Brady buzz is a little bit more real. There was already t- uh, They already asked Rob Gronkowski. He says, as of now, I'm leaning toward I wouldn't come back in 2022. I think both those players are going to be quarterback in the same team on opening day next year. Uh, Byron Leftwich presumably getting a job. Bruce Arians said he'd be calling the plays. That would be interesting. Arians and, and Brady together actually in the – you know, from a play calling standpoint, and I Arians do think is well set up too with that giant Radio Shack getup he's got on his chest every game. You got to think one of those buttons wires him into Brady. Oh yeah, I'm sure they, I'm sure they could talk yeah. if needed. And then Rogers, man, I don't know. I don't know if we go through this whole off season of drama this time because I, I, th- I, I think, think they mended fences in Green Bay. What do you think <laughs> happened? Do you think same teams? Yeah, both both guys are going to quarterback the same team on opening day. The same team, as in that they're both currently playing for, not you know, not they're both on the same side. That would be weird. Um, True. I, I think Brady will go back. I, I don't think. I think of all the people in the world, Brady does not want to go out that way. Which is like, I lost my pass protection. I was getting buried. I almost executed this comeback, and then we we lost it right at the death. He doesn't want to do that. He and and you know there are quarterbacks like Rodgers, for example. Like if Rodgers went out in the NFC Championship game, you're like, I mean, look, I've done this for a while now. What are my chances of getting another ring next year? Eh. Brady wins one like every other year. If there's any guy in the world to yeah. have a warped like, interpretation of how likely it is to win a ring next year, it's Brady. So he's coming back. He's going to try and win one more. He's going out in a better way than he did last year. Rodgers is completing some kind of like master class in irony because he has just become Brett Favre. Rodgers just simply does not want the crap of the offseason and is perfectly prepared to put it out there every offseason that like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the offseason brings. Like, well, you know, we've got to sit down. We've got to anal- analyze this thing. We've got to see how it goes. I don't want to be part of a rebuild, you know. Uh, and then when push comes to shove, it's just like Rodgers just didn't want to show up to training camp. And he's back in opening day, rolls in there with the goofy sunglasses and the slides, like as if nothing happened. Like, this is Rodgers now. He has become Brett Favre, only instead of Aaron Rodgers sitting behind him, it's Jordan Love. So it's even more secure. That, so that, that could segue nicely to the Bucky Brooks. Stop it. I, not, I think it's a good – I think that's a good jumping off to, uh, point, too. It's not. The Bucky Brooks thing, we can have a whole Bucky show at some point where we just get, you know, Bucky's take on the league. And Somebody tried to tattle things. on us that we that – we, that I mentioned the tweet. Like, what are you tattling on? I just said the tweet would be a good discussion point. The tweet about the Packers being undefeated from 1939 to 01 – in Lambeau, and then seven and seven since then. I think it was a, it, it's a good discussion point, and it's also perhaps a representation about how people around the league feel about certain things. Yeah, that's I just all. think there's a whole show somewhere that's just like here's seven things that the league thinks as as illustrated. By but Bucky I'm asking Brooks this timeline. from the Rogers standpoint because should they actually change their? Is there something wrong with the Packers? Yeah, they keep losing in the NFC Championship game yeah. more before. The other ironic thing, because you're like, oh, he became full Brett Favre a couple of years ago, and they they went full old takes exposed on him, and he was like, uh, when they got smoked in the NFC Championship, he's like, oh, it's a whole different story if you put it in Lambeau and with the weather and this and that, and they've yeah, they're yeah, only two yeah. now in the NFC Championship right. in Lambeau the last two years. Yeah, I mean, even in that game this week, last week, whatever you want to call it, they were talking up how much Rogers loves the weather, you know. Uh, we love it when it's cold because the other team hates it and we can still get our, you know, we're used to it and blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, but then you go and lose to the 49ers. Like, <laughs> didn't work that well. Um, I, yeah, I think that's a longer discussion at some point. So the other thing people should email us for is uh, charity suggestions. Uh, a lot of people have asked for some kind of dueling fundraisers, um, which I've, I've, I'm, not, I'm on the fence about in typical Palazzolo style. Uh, but here's an email that sort of pitches how it would work. And I want to read this out, and then we can kind of ask people what they think. Uh, hi, Sam and Steve. Here's my pitch for how you should run a dueling punishment system within the charity drives. Each of you picks a charity and your own. He says conceit. Is that the right word? Does he mean forfeit? Forfeit, presumably. I mean, I've been using forfeit, and uh, conceit 
doesn't feel like it works there, but let's roll with it. Maybe Sam wants to raise money for some disaster relief, and he offers that he will do the Pepper Challenge live on the show. Steve Counter offers that he's raising money for youth sports programs and is willing to put himself through a table WWE style. Then you set up two competing charity funds, two, fo- two GoFundMes, and whichever fund gets the most money, uh, that person does their, again, conceit, forfeit, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so, so the people get to choose what they want to see. Yes. Also, you could set up thresholds where if enough gets donated, then you both do the forfeit. Um, you then get to donate money to multiple charities, and the people get to vote using their dollars. Big fan of the show. Thanks for all you guys do. Jake. So essentially, we set up two different competing GoFundMes. We set some kind of, instead of saying when we reach X dollars, or we could do it that way, whenever. There's an end point, and at the end point, the charity with the most money is the one that does the forfeit. The other one gets off scot-free. Now, my only concern, I, that's fair, yeah. I like that as an idea. My only concern slash issue is whether people care about donating just for being just for a good cause. Right. Without the added benefit of watching one of us go through misery. No, I think there's I think it's probably 50 50. You're doing it for both. Right. I mean, it's, it's been part of the bargain so far that you raise money for charity and one of us does something stupid. Now there's a good. So does a chunk all of the people. money go to one charity at the end? I mean, it goes no. to both. Stuff. So you can they're stuck in because. But the whoever way, wins, you gotta. Whoever wins does the forfeity thing. Gotcha. The other one just donates money to a good cause, regular style. Yeah. So I say what we should do is we'll put up a poll on the official Twitter account uh, at PFF NFL Pod, and we will essentially ask, "Is that a good idea?" Do people care if they're just donating money to a good cause if their their drive loses? Yeah. And then we'll just set it up, right? You pick one, I pick one. We each come up. This is it's an added like gamesmanship element as well, because I think you both pick your own forfeit. You pick your own forfeit, you pick your own And in doing so, you can like go above and beyond well, to you pick make your own sure charity too. So you're also there's gamesmanship in the right. charity. But you also but in, you you're incentivized to make your forfeit the most yeah. ridiculous and sort of painful slash comic thing possible what if, because that's what will generate the money. What if my forfeit is throwing on my Macho Man get up and doing the Macho Man elbow through a table, but you're on the table? I'm I don't think you can conscri- conscript the other person into your forfeit. Okay. Because if we're doing that... That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, if we're doing that, then I would absolutely find some way of making your life miserable within my forfeit, <laughs> you know? You do, all the time. Yeah. Your own forfeit, and I had to pitch. I yeah. I pitched you. Well, I, I mean, that felt like it was an easy win, but apparently not. Do you have any uh, Barry Bonds? Do you have any Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, yeah, let Hall of in. Fame discussions? Let them, let them all in, right? Let them all in. What the hell? Like, they should be able to barge... Why not? Knock down the door. I mean, look, if you're going to let them roid up for 10 years, you you can't have to accept the consequences of you 10 also, years worth of being roided to the gills. You also, idiot sports writers, you can't just vote David Ortiz in because you like him and he gave good interviews when he also tested positive. And like, yeah, Barry Bonds was all roided up like crazy with special creams and clears and stuff like that. But still, the dude saw like five strikes a week and he hit them all out at his, in his prime. Yeah. He's the best baseball player of all time. I mean, here's the thing. If you're gonna like, if you're gonna turn a blind eye to people being roided to the brains, then yes. you kind of have to just go. Well, all right, that's just the period we were dealing with here. Let's let's roll with it. Yeah, it's not, it, and it's not even like uh, the Eli. Uh, you can't tell the story of the NFL without Eli Manning. Like you can have a story time section for Eli if you need to, uh-huh. but these guys earned it on the field and the story part of it, right? Clemens, Bonds. I mean, they were and they were the best before. They got all roided up, you know. Then there was some Eli versus Aaron Rodgers, Lawrence Tynes and New York media yeah, all I mean, saying Lawrence they would take Tynes. Eli over yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Like Lawrence Tynes was his ex-teammate. Like, I mean, you know. Yeah, I know. Still. There's a level to which, you know, you're clearly not impartial and or rational at that point. Like, sure. Just thought it was interesting. Eli, 8-4 and four in the playoffs. Rodgers, 12-11 and 11 or 11-10 and 10 or whatever it is. Yeah. That's what they were throwing at him. That's what they were throwing at him. You have that to give Eli losses for all the years he didn't make the playoffs, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, that would be a more interesting loss. conversation if Rodgers had no rings and, like, it had choked yeah. every single time. And now you're like, all right, you have a guy who's only going to get there, you know, every so often. But when he gets there, he goes on a ridiculous all-time run and wins the ring versus a guy who's going to get there most years 
but seems to choke every time he gets to the big game. That, I think, is a reasonable discussion. Rodgers has a ring. He's at least got it done once, and he's always getting it to the, the, the playoffs. So I don't, I don't really think that's a, an argument. Some in the YouTube chat says, make Steve give Sam a baseball lecture and take a quiz to prove he was listening. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. However many he gets wrong, he has to eat a hotter pepper. <laughs> I'd just take the peppers. I wouldn't. I, no. I would, I'd end up just eating the peppers. Did it, now, if you, now, if you found a different punishment, that would potentially work, and that would be horrible. Yes, a baseball. I don't, I don't want to do that. A baseball lecture. I'll give you a lecture. <laughs> God, That'd be that great. Would be terrible. All right. Where else we? Uh, I'll tell you where we're going today. We're going to uh, to Manscaped. Oh, sweet. Austin. Austin claims he's got the best Manscaped reads. Well, it's just because he doesn't look at anybody else's. Yeah, but he's you know the reads. The reads. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't sell Manscaped better than we do. <laughs> I don't think he does. He did say he would whisper this into his date's ear, though. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. Don't. He would say that on his Valentine's Day date. Yeah, I mean, I believe that. Which is Valentine's why Day. He's single. This is the Valentine's Day time. It's, it's, it's the read. It's, it's just around the corner. The sponsor's Manscaped. They're our friends. They're here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-belt grooming, with our exclusive offer, you go to manscaped.com, use the promo code PFF, and it's 20% off plus free shipping. The holidays went by so quickly. Did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job? You may have forgotten, but it's our chance. It's your chance to get back on track. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It's the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day just a little more special. And then Manscaped. They want to propose February 13th, a national holiday, National Shave Your Balls Day. And you can't do that without Manscaped. Can we get the day off work for that? Uh, yeah. I mean, if it goes through as a national holiday, we're all in this. Then I'm in. Yeah. Sold. February 13th, national holiday. And only Manscaped can make it happen. Manscaped created their products for a night like just like this. It will make your V-Day date say, wow, great set of balls you have there. That's what they'll say. Get 20% off and free shipping with the, po- with the promo code PFF. At manscaped.com. It's 20% off. You know the date's going well if she says that. <laughs> I, love that, says that. Sh- I love that we're showing the Manscaped ad here on the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PFF. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Trim responsibly. <laughs> Trim responsibly. That, uh, that wasn't part of the read. That's, that's me ad-libbing slash reading the screen. Yeah. The, uh, the hair that was dropping off. In that ad there. Don't even say it. <laughs> I'm going to – it looked an awful lot like the wig that I wore for it to, to mock your hair, which by inference means it looks an awful lot like your hair on your head. I said don't go there. I mean, I was only going to go the middle part, but then it felt, it felt necessary to take the final step and, you know, walk it through to its logical conclusion. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code PFF. Why do you have pubes in your head? I have no comment. <laughs> This is my hair, <laughs> and it's glorious. <laughs> uh, also, have a championship belt to distract you. Surprise! It's taken that many years to get through to that question. All right, we're still the trivia champs. Yeah, it's just because we haven't gonna, faced Eric. Oh, well, we're just gonna sit on it. We're right, gonna sit on it for a while. What's the uh, Eric? They, they would have to set a line us versus the forecast. Oh, the line! Like, what? I don't even. What did we win by last time? We won by about six. Okay, against those guys, they'd probably be. Eight to ten point, probably a touchdown favorite. At least, right? Yeah. The forecast. Uh huh. You think George is good with trivia? Probably not. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't no. be in fear of what George like he, brings. He comes game. across like a know-it-all, but I don't think he knows much. I mean, it's a, <laughs> I think it, it would depend on the topic, but I think Eric is cleaning up on all the football questions, and then if they like, yeah. hit the right subject matter, like if he does. He could do the office like Austin as well. He George, did that one. George feels like a good test taker, right? You give him something yeah. to study. Right. Really smart, sharp. He can he can recite the stuff from the test. Yeah. But uh, he's not like the sorry, he's not like the encyclopedia of knowledge that uh, that Eric is. Yeah. So anyway, this thing's well protected as long as we don't have to defend right now. Yeah. Brady to Green Bay, Rogers to Tampa Bay. That's been suggested in the YouTube chat here. Why? Just flip them. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think people just want to see exciting things. All right. All right. What else? What else we got here? Uh, all right. Another email. This one from Germany. From David from Germany. 
Uh, hi guys, watching Super Wildcard Weekend and looking at the teams, I came to the realization that all of the young and exciting quarterbacks are on the AFC side. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow all look like, all look like they're here to stay, and there's still Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, who didn't even make the big dance this year. Uh, in the NFC, the two great quarterbacks are Rodgers and Brady, who are likely to decline in the near future and or, you know, retire. While none of the other quarterbacks, uh, the teams who qualified for the playoffs, seem to be in the elite tier, and only Prescott and maybe Kyler are both young and good, though I would personally take all the AFC quarterbacks above them. Hmm. So my theory is that with the aging elite quarterbacks and no obvious candidates following, the NFC will soon not have any chance at the Super Bowl, and the NFC playoffs will devolve into a lame duck tournament to decide who can be demolished in the Super Bowl. I would love to hear your take on this, as right now the AFC playoffs look like a gauntlet for years to come. Uh, bonus point, if you're Deshaun Watson, assuming he can play again, would you prefer an NFC team because your path to the Super Bowl is much easier for the foreseeable future? Greetings from Germany. Yeah, I think David's point is very much the, the takeaway a lot of people are having this weekend. Right? You just watched Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes go head-to-head in one of the most ridiculous games of all time. And ridiculous from an offensive standpoint because it was score after score after score. And they were just, you know, just doing awesome stuff at quarterback. And on the other side, you know, you don't mention Russell Wilson because yeah, he didn't have a great year. Hasn't had a great year plus, right? This year plus last half of last year. Matthew Stafford, he's still around with the Rams and, and playing well. But you're not looking at him as like, I mean, he's not young, but he's not one of the he might not be as good as any of the guys on the AFC side either that have been mentioned. And you have Jimmy Garoppolo still around with the Niners, and they've been winning pretty much despite him, not because of him, or uh, or with him, not because of him, we'll say. So, yeah, I I agree with a lot of this. The NFC is not looking great, but I think these things go in cycles, and the NFC will get their fair share of quarterbacks as well at some point. I certainly agree that, yeah, like all the dominant quarterbacks for this foreseeable future are in the AFC and I think that definitely changes um, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady any of these quarterbacks that are potentially playing somewhere else next year that should absolutely be part of their thought process like if you're Aaron Rodgers you know remember last year Aaron Rodgers on the move Denver Denver makes sense Denver's an Aaron Rodgers away from being a Super Bowl contender all of a sudden like if you're Denver do you want to volunteer to be in a division with Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin Herbert twice a year. Like just that division you're facing four games against elite freakish quarterbacks that are like at the same kind of level that you're at. Um, alternatively, you can stay in Green Bay where currently there's not an awful lot scaring you in the quarterback landscape unless, you know, a massive jump from Justin Fields. Plus three rebuilds that are all in either year one or two. Right. So like if those are your two options – I mean, maybe there's some nice things in Denver, but hell with that. Like, you don't want to volunteer for that. Similarly, if you're Deshaun Watson or Tom Brady or any of these guys that are potentially on the move, yeah, stay in the NFC because it's a hell of a lot easier to get to the Super Bowl from that point. The one point I would differ on is that once you're in the Super Bowl, I mean, if you're an elite team getting to the Super Bowl, you have a pretty good shot of winning it. Like, nobody is, nobody from the NFC who is Green Bay or Tampa Bay or any of these teams that are capable of contending is getting to the Super Bowl and just writing off the game because, oh, no, here's just another game against Kansas City or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. Um, So I think in a weird way, it might actually be easier to win the Super Bowl from the NFC side because if you're the one elite guy that can take your team there, you're going to get through the playoffs easier. You're going to get to the Super Bowl easier. And then all you got to do is beat one of these guys in a one-off game. What's interesting, if you look at the losses that some of these teams have had, they're all in the AFC. Like, the Chiefs are undefeated against the NFC this year, despite yeah. all their losses. The, um, who else was I looking at? The Bills have only lost one game against the NFC, and that was Tampa Bay. Bengals lost in overtime. The Bengals to the lost Packers to the Bears. And 49ers lost to the Bears. Yeah, the Bears, Packers, and 49ers. So they've lost a few, or a few NFC yeah. teams. But... The Bills and the the page, or the Bills and the Chiefs, the two teams that just had that insane game that's kind of prompting all this, have got one loss combined against the NFC this year, and that was against Tampa Bay, the defending champions. 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like you've got ebbs and flows there. I mean, the other part of it, too, though, is Kansas City's one game away from going to the Super Bowl for the third straight time. They can win two out of three. They've been in the AFC Championship every year. They're building a Patriots-like dynasty, which it seemed like that it seemed like that was the case a couple of years ago. It's been the truth. Only team right? in NFL history to host the AFC Championship game four times. Four times in a row, and so everything looks like they're going to be in that New England realm of hey, anything less than at least making the. I mean, everything's a failure if because you're expecting right. championships, but you're at least going to be in the AFC Championship and that, every like, year. You know, only team in NFL history is already a pretty big you know statement, but. When you couch it in the with the context of coming after that Patriots twenty years of dominance, right? right? The, the Patriots, Patriots never the Patriots never did that. They have won all of the rings and have always been dominating every single year, and they never hosted the AFC Championship game four straight years. And and the Patriots went to the AFC Championship ten straight years. And would you be that surprised if the Chiefs were up in that seven, eight, nine, ten range? It's I mean, only- look, I know they were just thirteen seconds away from not being there, right? right? But um, and, some, and there is a fine line, right? So on one hand, there's a fine line. Like the Chiefs are one Jimmy Garoppolo post route away from maybe not having a Super Bowl win. They're 13 seconds away from not making the AFC Championship. But you can do that, that with stuff. Brady I know, as well. No, I know. It works both ways. I'm just, but that's part of this analysis, too, is that I just want to be careful with, right? It's very easy to, to take the conclusion, which is the Chiefs won, and then project it forward like, of course, they're never going to lose or whatever it is. But all I'm saying is you've got this, budding dynasty as i've seen it called but budding dynasty hmm. while surrounded by joe burrow and josh allen and justin herbert and all these other but i think that that's the thing that potentially makes it less likely than the patriots 10 in a row thing is that i think i mean the patriots had peyton manning in there for most of the time as well but there might be more obstacles this for I mean, for mahomes but that's back, assuming- they had they had peyton in the colts they had peyton in the broncos yeah. They had Roethlisberger and the Steelers, Rivers and the Chargers. I mean, right, but my were... point is that all of a sudden these new guys might actually be better than that second tier of guy. So there was Peyton Manning, who was like toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, essentially, for their careers. Right. Then you have Roethlisberger and Rivers, who are really good, but a step down from those two. Like, Roethlisberger and Rivers are not Manning and Brady. They're True. the next tier of guys. You had Andrew um, Luck coming through there. He was never at that level. He was in Roethlisberger. Yeah, but never, never Brady-Manning era. All of a sudden, like... Joe Burrow was the number one graded quarterback this year. Justin Herbert was right behind those guys and did something great. Like all I'm just all I'm saying is that all and Josh Allen just went literally toe to toe with Mahomes. All of a sudden, if those guys, if they can back that up, like if they can do that again and again and again, that might be a new era of quarterback that is a higher level than Brady had in his landscape. Um, now they might not, and therefore it wouldn't be. Yeah, but it is possible right now. Uh, well, you also wanted to pose this as did what we saw, and uh, yeah, I saw Bert Breer tweet this right. What we saw this weekend does this change how you evaluate quarterbacks? Yeah, what we draft. saw being Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, not only just doing a lot of cool stuff and putting up a lot of offense, but it's the way they did it. Right? They both they both led their teams in rushing. They both threw the ball all over the yard. They both were ridiculously tough to tackle. Josh Allen hurt a guy. I mean, everything they did uh, was productive, but also superhuman-ish in a lot of stuff. They yeah. Did. I mean, I think that has the potential to um, send sort of ripples throughout the NFL in a bunch of different ways. Like, one, we've talked about this before. The league has kind of been trending in this direction anyway. But if if you have a quarterback who isn't one of these guys, right, if you have good but not great you're already kind of incentivized to blow that up and start over because you need great or you need terrible. And only the, the only thing, the only reason you need terrible is because that gives you an easier path to great again, right? So it's basically just taking endless shots at great. And if you have good or very good, you're kind of locked in this world of, I mean, you're going to be fine, but you're never going to win. Like this is, um, this is Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. This is probably Derek Carr and the Raiders. These are these guys, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Now, Matt Ryan now, not Matt Ryan 2016, where he did have that elite year. But, like, if you're stuck in this world and you're looking at, at this landscape, at the Mahomes, the Josh Allens, these quarterbacks that are capable of doing things that your guy simply isn't, you're, I mean, it's just making it harder, right? So I think teams with a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr I think you're more incentivized now 
to boot that guy to the curb and look for something different than you were maybe a couple of years ago where you're like, I mean, these are really good quarterbacks. Let's stick with them. Let's try and build around them, and maybe things will break our way because now it just isn't, right, particularly in the AFC. If you're in the AFC and you have a Derek Carr and you're like, yeah, we could build a good team around him, but now what, is the chance, what are the chances that that guy goes on a run and knocks three of these guys off in a row, right? Because it's not just in any given Sunday we can beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Because who cares, right? In order to get to that game, you have to beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. You've got to like go through three of these guys in a row just to make it to the Super Bowl to face whoever the NFC shows up. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, I think the league is going to, is going to start getting rid of these quarterbacks that are like pretty good in search of great ones. And then the other question is, connected to that, does that start to change immediately how you view the draft and in particular the quarterbacks this year so i wonder i don't know i let me let's talk through this for a minute here is this the same as for years people were looking for peyton manning tom brady and drew Brees, right and it was like well you need a pocket passer you need a guy who's accurate you need a good uh you need guys got pocket movement like these are the elites right these are the best these the best philip rivers was again step down but whatever um, you have to win from the pocket. And then because we couldn't find that guy, yeah, but I mean, people tried to make Michael Vick into a thing and tried to make Vince Young into a thing, and they tried to change it the other way. But then people kept coming back to it, like, well, you can't win without a Peyton or a Brady or a Breeze or whoever, right? Are we going to overrate the outside-the-pocket playmaking and the freakish stuff that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are capable of so does that does that diminish? This is the Mac Jones discussion we had last year. Like, is Mac Jones? If Mac Jones had a Joe Burrow season next year, is that surprising? Is that enough? Can it, or you know, should the Patriots look at Mac Jones and be like, man, he can't do the stuff Josh Allen can? We're screwed. I mean, that because that's how people are positioning this. Well, They're positioning it as based off this one game we saw last week, where and it's not just one game, right? Josh Allen for the second straight week was ridiculous. Yeah. One of the better two-game two, two game stretches we've ever seen in playoff history. But does that make you shy away from the next Mac Jones? And, you, and then if you're the Niners, they had this, we could have Mac Jones who's going to run our offense, and we could have the high upside Trey Lance. And you have to take the high upside player just because at some point you've got to compete with these freak shows. Well, Joe Burrow is the counter to that, right? Because Joe Burrow is as, is as close to a sort of marginal athlete physical tools quarterback that's been wildly successful in recent years. Joe Burrow had, people were criticizing his arm coming out of the draft and after year one as well. It's like, Burrow's arm is not great. And on some of these throws, ball dies a little bit. And does he really have the ability to play at this incredibly high level in the NFL that he played in college? And, you know, he's he's pretty athletic, I, I would say that, but he's not, you know, he's not those other guys. He's not Josh Allen. He's maybe close to Patrick Mahomes in terms of athleticism, but Mahomes has that freakish ability to just avoid pressure in the pocket that Burrow doesn't have. Like, you know, <laughs> we talked about the, the, uh, the Bills game. Threw his pressure all over Mahomes, and somehow he just wriggles out of it like an eel and escapes, and it's a big play. When that happens to Burrow right now, half the time he's going down in a heap and getting sacked. Like, that's the difference between the two of them, even if, like, in abstract terms, Burrow's 40 might be better, and he might have comparable athleticism it's not translating exactly the same and he isn't like a giant physical specimen the way Josh Allen or Justin Herbert is so he's the closest guy like if you're of the opinion that tools are nice but they don't really matter that's your poster child right now and if you're looking at the draft and saying we just need an elite quarterback it doesn't matter what shape or size he comes in find me the guy that can just be incredible Burrow is the dude that you're looking at and saying it can still work right I'm just saying that if you're if you're in need of a quarterback and you're looking at that game in particular where Allen and Mahomes are going toe-to-toe with freakish uh, arm strength, freakish arm angles, rushing ability, the, the capacity to get out of the pocket, those guys are one and two in the NFL this year in sack percentage, you know, that pressure, the percentage yep. of your pressure is to become sacks, which is always the sort of the Peyton Manning number, right? And Peyton Manning, it was so hard to sack that guy even when you could pressure him because you always knew when it was coming and he would get rid of the ball. Allen and Mahomes both do it in a different way, but they're both very hard to sack right now. Right. Um, And Burrow is definitely on the other end of that spectrum. So if you're looking at those two guys in that game and you're just watching 
the things they can do and the, the kind of the ceiling that they're able to hit. And you're like, I mean, how do you compete with that? Like, because even if you have Burrow, and this is a thing now, right? Because it's the, the, the AFC Championship game. You're like, if Mahomes or if Josh Allen got there, if those two guys play at this level, even if Burrow has his best game, can he match it? Maybe. But I if don't Mahomes know. If Mahomes has his best game? If Mahomes has his best game or if Josh Allen had his best game if he'd made the, the title game. If those two guys are playing at the very peak of their powers, even if you have Joe Burrow, I think there's a, there's a real question of, like, can we match that level? Because they're doing freakish things. Like, yeah. Allen, Allen was delivering passes that you're not supposed to be able to make, right? Like, it's not like it wasn't a sort of Joe Cool-esque drive where he's just, you know, calmly making routine plays and picking up. It's like, no, that dude was in horrible situations and digging his team out of it with freakish ability. That's the thing that they bring to the table. At the same time, Allen was incredible. I'm, again, I'm, I'm just trying to bring other perspective to this because it, Allen and Mahomes were both great. Allen also was throwing to a receiver who made a corner fall over, and one of the, one of the biggest touchdowns of the game, he threw it into an ocean to yeah. hit him. And then the same guy, Gabriel Davis, runs a seam route, beats his guy by about four steps. I'm just saying. But that seam route was like a 60-yard pass like on a rope. No, that one. It was a, from like the 25. Not twenty-five. The, like one of those. One oh of no, those. the one, the goal ball. Yeah, the goal ball is ridiculous. Right. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just saying, some of the plays where the Bills created incredible offense was Gabriel Davis being equally incredible. The Chiefs w- was also Tyreek Hill breaking the defense. Michael Hardman breaking the defense. Right. The, the and next gen stats said Hardman had you know one percent chance of scoring on his end around whatever, and he scored. And then did you see the, uh, the video of Travis Kelsey directing the 13-second the yeah. drive? Mm-hmm. Again, this isn't taking anything away from the quarterbacks, Mahomes or Allen. It's also what's surrounding them, right? And Burrow has taken his big step forward because he's got his own dude taking over, Jamar Chase, that is you know, part of the supporting cast. So no matter where you are here, there's more than just the quarterback it is the supporting cast for the, the Bills, the way they've developed the last couple of years. The Chiefs have always had two Hall of Famers there. And this is the trap, I think, for teams going forward, is that the temptation is going to be, give me the guy with the best tools. Like, tell me who the dude is who's got the strongest arm, who's the biggest, the strongest. That's the guy I'm drafting. And the thing that's kind of get, going to get lost in all this is the point you just made, which is, those two teams have done a phenomenal job of ensuring that the environment for each quarterback is fantastic. Mahomes obviously stepped into a pretty good environment in terms of Alex Smith, um, you know, was there to, to play well. He was being boosted by Tyreek Hill, the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid being such a great offensive mind. They, their offensive line fell apart briefly. They've rebuilt it completely. It's a great unit again. So Mahomes, I mean, we've made this point over and over and over. As great as Mahomes is, Let's not forget that he's had a great environment around him basically the entire time. Josh Allen, similar deal. Like, he came in to not a great situation, and they very quickly built a good deal around him. They, you know, threw a lot of resources at the offensive line in terms of volume, not necessarily high picks or or sort of high uh, value investments, but a lot at it. They've consistently built a really good receiving core around him, bringing in guys year after year and improving the, the players he has to throw to. To the point where, you know, even when Stephon Diggs is not having a great game, Gabriel Davis shows up and raises the question of, like, why was this guy buried number four in the depth chart all year? Um, So both those guys have had a great environment. If you're looking at this draft and you're saying, I just want the the best athlete, the guy who has that ceiling, that's all I'm chasing, ceiling. You have to start thinking, all right, let's say I give that guy to you. If I'm your GM, let's let's, let's say I'm bringing in this guy now. How are we getting this team around him in the next 18 months? Because that's what we need to do in order for that to have any shot of working. You and I were in the middle of a good discussion with uh, Lance Erline on Monday discussing some of the stuff. You know, what did people believe? What did people think of Josh Allen coming out? uh, The ceiling discussion. I think Lance made the point. This is why teams try to hit home runs. And you you and I have talked about, did they just hit, did they hit a lull in hitting home runs? in the lull being the last 15 or 20 years before Patrick Mahomes, really, where the Jake Lockers of the – Jake Locker was like, other than being 6'5", 
he was like the, he was the prototype, right? Cannon for an arm, and he could run and the whole thing. But again, you could put Michael Vick in this bucket. You could put Vince Young, and you know they had their moments. And Vic Vic had a near MVP season, not the way it was supposed to be designed. It was year nine of his career, and after a jail stint and all that stuff. But Vic almost kind of showed his potential one year. But the NFL had missed on a lot of these high ceiling guys forever, and. And then it just felt at the same time when people with opposite skill sets. What? <laughs> what is this tracker? Uh, there appears to be a graphic quantifying the volume of baseball talk. Those are made up numbers on the podcast. Those are made up numbers. I mean, you say that, but there's a guy in the booth keeping track of this. I mean, if the it kind of checks out, it kind of checks out. I could see me having fifteen hundred thirty-seven baseballs, baseball discussions. Mm. I mean, yeah. The Hall of Fame was yesterday. Right. So does it, am I going to see this like tick up in real time here? 1538. You just mentioned the Hall of Fame. No, I think we'll just get a, an update every now and again. <sighs> anyway. So anyway, if you, if you, my point is, let's spin this forward to this upcoming draft. I kept thinking during that game that that, that game has to be good for the draft stock of Malik Willis. The Liberty quarterback. Yes. Who's the guy who, if you, like, even before that game, you're just saying, this guy's high-end throws are insane. His highlight reel is madness. Um, now, like, we're not talking about a perfect guy. That's why, if, if we were, he was the guy, remember, Mike Renner put him as the number one quarterback heading into that season, I think, right? Heading into the most I think it was early, yeah, early this, early right. during the season. Or yeah. early during the season. And then didn't kick on, like didn't have the development season that people thought he was going to have and sort of cement himself in that position. Um, if, he, if, if that had happened, we would be t- probably talking about a very different prospect. But now we're talking about a guy whose high-end throws are insane, whose athleticism is crazy, whose size is great, and who you can imagine having that kind of game, right, which you can't say about some of the other quarterbacks in this draft. Does, does that game – change the way people are going to view somebody like Willis I think it's more than just the game I think it's all I think it's overall Josh Allen's development because we were we were having a similar discussion last year at this time and felt like Mac Jones has already been hurt by Josh Allen and Justin Herbert's development I think this all started last year 2020 was the kickoff to this toolsy quarterbacks are back Uh, Mahomes maybe was the real kickoff because here's the thing if you're honest about your Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen evaluations you, could, you, you would say they had the special in college. You could see that. But they are stars now because they improved the quote-unquote easy stuff. The ability to win from the pocket, good decision-making, the accuracy and the footwork, and a lot of things that needed to get better, they got better. That discussion started last year, and then it just got multiplied by 100 on Sunday. I do Yes, so I do believe that game does stuff for Malik Willis, who has Josh Allen-like passes on tape. Yeah. As far as, like, here's a 50-yard rope on the run that doesn't make any sense. Um, his highlight reel might be the highest of highs, and the low light reel might be the lowest of lows in this entire class, Malik Willis. But I definitely, I definitely think people are going to lean toward the highlight reel in part because of the highlight reel that we just saw last weekend from the two AFC quarterbacks. And then you compare Malik Willis to Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and Matt Corral. And, I mean, Kenny Pickett certainly isn't going to be – in that Josh Allen Mahomes discussion with the stuff that he does, right? He's he's on the other end of the, of that, and that's the spectrum. other that's the other thing I think that sort of focuses the attention on Willis is that there isn't that there isn't one of those um, Josh Allen Justin Herbert type of there's no body type like that in the top quarterback prospects this year. There's no guy that's like six five two fifty two forty. You know what I mean? There's no guy who just from the stature is in this different world. So Willis is. Shorter, like he's not—he's not a six-five, two-fifty kind of guy. He's like six-one, but two-twenty. He's like stockily built, but he has that freakish athleticism. He's got a huge arm um, and has those special throws. So all of a sudden, I think you're you're sort of zooming in on the physical capabilities that he has relative to these other quarterbacks who don't uh, who don't have the kind of all right. You might have athleticism, but I, you know, I'm six-five, two-fifty, and have a howitzer for an arm. Like that guy isn't at the top of the draft this year. There's also just the general run game component, which we've discussed quite a bit as well. The ability to add, like teams are adding design quarterback runs into their arsenal now. We've, we see Mahomes, Mahomes is not a designed quarterback guy, but 
QB run guy, but he's going to pick up two, three, four first downs with his legs per game. So he's one of the most effective scrambling quarterbacks in the league. Um, those are the types of edges. Now, I think so to me, finding those edges is more important because you're competing with Mahomes and Allen and in, in these other top quarterbacks, not because you're trying to replicate it, but because you need to steal first downs any way that you can. Right. And it's I still think it's it might even be more difficult to find a Brady Manning breeze than it is a Mahomes or an Allen. It might. I don't know. It still might be more ra- uh, more rare. Is that can you uh, can you modify rare? Like rarer. rarer. It might be rarer to find the old school pocket passer who was so good at everything that he doesn't need athleticism, you know, doesn't need to run. I don't know if people know how to find that. Like, that's the problem. That's, I think, always been the problem, right? Is that, like, what separates, as prospects, what separates Baker Mayfield from Joe Burrow? Because you've got two guys that were hyper accurate, that both had a kind of swagger attitude type of element to their play, that had a ton of big plays. The um, SEC. Yeah, like you know, there are things, but you know what yeah. I mean. Those are those are quite similar guys as prospects um, overall, and yet Baker Mayfield has not developed and has gone in the opposite direction. And Joe Burrow has acted like the NFL is just the SEC again and is trucking right and looks phenomenal. Like what is so if you're reverse even reverse engineering that forget trying to do it live at the time but now reverse engineer it and say what is it that separates those two guys because like the the swag is one thing right like now everyone's going ah oh, look at this cigar smoking guy who's got this confidence and saying we're gonna win the Super Bowl we're not just here to con-. like if that's the kind of crap that like Baker Mayfield is saying and people are like what are you doing you idiot you can't like you know it's now a negative for Baker Mayfield that he acts like that right. But I don't see a dramatic difference between the two in, in those constituent elements. It's just that it's not translating for one guy, and it is for the other. I want to get into it in a second because I think there's stuff that we just – the stuff that we can't see necessarily is probably the stuff that connects those dots, sure. right? But four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. That means only four teams left for you to bet over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout, and the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, because, you know, it's your cash. DraftKings believes that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. It's promo code PFF for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. One dollar wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the... I mean, this is... When you talk about the NFL being in like a, a slump and hitting on the the quote unquote high upside quarterbacks for years, they did hit on John Elway, right? He was a number one overall pick. He was kind of like a destined guy, but even statistically at Stanford, even for that time, it's not like he was the top. It wasn't like he was a dominant player from a production standpoint, right? At Stanford, Dan Marino at Pittsburgh through a ton of interceptions, right? Like all these, all these different things. Brett Favre was not a production marvel coming out of Southern Miss. And all of those guys developed. And then you have a Joe Montana, who's a different style player, but he's your third rounder that just had it, right? So it's got to be, there's some psychological test somewhere that's, that would, that's like hitting on all this stuff, right? That's differentiating a Burrow and a Baker. That's differentiating a Tom Brady and the six guys that were drafted ahead of him, right? There's somewhere somebody's able to quantify the people who are going to have the, you know, Tostito on his shoulder the entire career and always find a way to, uh, to get better. I mean, there might be something out there, but I don't know that we know what it is yet. Like, if there was... It's just it factor. Yeah, it's just it. This guy's point, got it. But if, if teams knew what that was already, those, there would be separation between those guys. No, I know. Like, Montana wouldn't be going in the third round. Uh, Baker Mayfield wouldn't be drafted the same position as Joe Burrow. You know, like they would be, Baker Mayfield would be a second round guy because, all right, there's great accuracy. He's got the arm, but there's something missing. The test showed it. He's not Joe Burrow. Um, Right now, obviously, the NFL still is not 
100% nailed on what that is yet. And I don't know that anybody is. Like, there is some way of identifying those things. And I think a lot of it is that that thing, like, maybe the answer to all this is, you know, when virtual reality becomes an easy, sort of standardized thing that everybody does at all times type of deal. You know, we saw Peyton Manning. Have you seen that little video where Peyton Manning's doing, like, VR throwing and that kind of stuff like yeah. if you can kind of package that with you and drag it to a combine interview and throw a guy in there and sort of see how he does based off you know here's 20 snaps quick yeah. maybe that's what differentiates it like i think it's that rick spielman was just talking about this with uh bucky and daniel jeremiah i, I think it's that interview. ability to react and read and make decisions on the fly that's very very hard to replicate outside of that environment like there's only and that's that's why you hear all these goofy, idiot things that people try and get guys to do in interviews because that's what they're trying to achieve, right? It's like, let's throw something weird at him and make him have to like quickly calculate on the fly and see how that process works in his brain. There's obviously no way of doing that. Like the coverage just changed, you know, during a snap, figure it out. Like you've yeah. got to do it with something else and you've got to do it with like words or topics or whatever. And it's going to, when you sort of isolate it from that process and then you know, a journalist relays what it is, it sounds ridiculous. Here's, that's what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, I've heard some of, the, some of the breakdowns, like stuff that happens in that interview. The players are so trained. They'll be trained up to say something like, hey, when, when they ask you what, which animal you would be, just, just tell them you love football or right. something, right? Just tell them, I just want to win. I just care about winning, whatever it is, right? They're so trained up when there are people who are asking these questions. And it's not that there, there's not even a right or wrong answer. It's in it's in the discussion. It's it's it, it, it's how the answer is laid out. Right. It's they're how trying, the answer meshes with five other answers. They're and, trying to throw something at you that makes you calculate on the fly, so they can see how that part of your brain functions. Because that I think is ultimately what makes these great quarterbacks versus the guys that aren't. The problem is it's very hard to do that. A, divorce from football, and B, when you're being trained for these interviews in the normal ways, quote unquote, that you would do that, they're ready for. So when you hit them with some idiot question about, like, would you rather be a cat or a dog, they've already been told what the answer is or how to answer that question, so it no longer serves its purpose. It's just a dumb question you're asking that wastes 30 seconds. I'd rather be a football player is the answer. What about the grit test? Do you think the grit test still has merit? I'm not quite sure what the grit test was ever supposed to achieve, but... Competitiveness. Competitiveness. Yeah. You want somebody that's going to compete. With staring. I've... I've heard, without being too specific, I've heard some of the stuff that is gleaned from in a quick in-person competitive situation is the way the, the way the, not so much whether they win or lose, but the way, again, it, it comes down to like the answers and the reaction. How much do you care about winning this little staring contest? How much self-awareness do you have? And various things like that. I don't know. These are the interesting things that are actually happening behind the scenes as far as the interviews go. And I think all of this is because they don't know. Like, we haven't figured but all, out the way but of all, So my bottom line on this whole thing is those are all data points that somewhere are being accumulated and taking what we see, traits, production, PFF grade, grades in various situations. It's taking all that stuff that we can see and quantify and putting more quantification to it it's just on the psychological end i mean i think all those things are essentially throwing darts at trying to achieve the thing that nobody's quite figured out how to achieve yet which is quantifying that weird element of quarterback play that only really manifests itself during games in the, the in a standardized environment there's just no way of replicating that so they're so everybody's taking a shot at doing it in a, whatever they think is the best way so and what do you you keep mentioning kirk and uh car and I would agree from a production standpoint, they're probably in the same bucket, the same tier, right? But we've also been using this word upside, which generally coincides with the ability to make certain throws and or runs, right? I would, from a ceiling standpoint, I would say Derek Carr has a better ceiling, right? He makes, he makes better throws. Than he has who? the ability to make better throws. Than Cousins? Yeah. Does he? I think so. Why? I think velocity, touch, and everything that he has. I'm saying that the ability to make higher end plays, not how often, yeah. the, 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 the can do, you think Cousins is in the same bucket as I think Carr? the only thing Carr does better than Cousins from a throw standpoint is throw on the move. I think Man, Cousins' I arm is 
at it is exactly as good as Derek Carr's. I think he can throw us. He can throw every pass the car. Pure velocity wise and yeah. like off off platform throws. I don't know, man. Yeah, I think just just the just the on the run and kind of the motion style of it, the motion side of it. I don't think Cousins is good, but like if you give him pocket, he'll make every throw Carr can. I'll also circle back and say, okay, I don't. Does this even matter? Because if you try to look backwards and say, okay, well, Joe Flacco hit that run, right? Because he's got a big arm and he's tall and hits, hits the deep out. You could also say, well, Nick Foles actually doesn't have a great arm, but he's, he doesn't have the upside ceiling, but he hit it for two games yeah, in a 2013 like, year. Nick Foles is some kind of like all-time freakish, weirded, like oddity of NFL history. Like you can't. You can't engineer your strategy at quarterback based off the fact that Nick I get Foles it, but so came Joe Montana for two games. But this is this is my point too. If you extrapolate, so Josh Allen, if you say his two game stretch is as good as we've ever seen, and it's in that Nick Foles bucket and all that stuff, it's the same thing. Yeah, but Josh Allen's done that a bunch of like of other times. Like Nick Foles basically did it for two games, and that was it. And 2013, no, yeah, statistically, but not grade wise. Like 2013 for Nick Foles was not the same. No, I as it. his NFC Championship and Super Bowl run, and like that, he literally. Turned it on for two games and became the greatest quarterback of all time. We are talking about Josh Allen just had two of the greatest playoff performances in NFL history, and I'm not even sure they were better than the two games Nick Foles had. Like, that's how absurd that Nick Foles stretch of games was. But are people going to be chasing the two Josh Allen games and the Patrick Mahomes run too much when Allen Allen didn't play like that every game this year? No, but he played like that before. Like, that's the difference. Nick Foles played like that once in his life, and when it will never happen again, and he will probably never even be in the same ballpark as that level of play again. Josh Allen had four games above 90 heading into the – heading into last week like he has done that a bunch of times last season he played at a 90 level for the year like Patrick Mahomes has been breaking scales of all known stats since he came into the NFL that dude has been an outlier since he entered the league so those two guys have a fairly consistent history of freakish elite play albeit not exactly at that level every single week so you can chase that game because that's the realistic upside of those players. You can't chase the Nick Foles games thinking that that's a realistic upside of his play. That's what happens when Nick Foles like, discovers a leprechaun and somehow leads him to the pot of gold at the end of a weekend, and like, that's what you're dealing with. Like, it's, not, it's not the same thing. I love when you break out a nice leprechaun and pot there's, of gold reference. There's a... Uh, you won't have seen it, but there's an old sitcom called Red Dwarf. It's an old sci-fi sitcom, right, where a guy discovers a luck virus, right, which makes you temporarily like the luckiest person to ever live. So, you know, he swigs this luck virus, and then he, like, goes and punches in one of those, you know, randomized codes. It's like 12 digits. It's like it's called, a billion combinations. It's called Red Dwarf? Yeah. Can we get a Red Dwarf ticker somewhere? So he pops up. up baseball and know, rugby? Like, sub, drinks down the luck virus, goes, pops in a 12-digit code, and bam, door slides open. Like, that's what happened to Nick Foles, right? The dude stumbled into a luck virus and for two weeks temporarily became the luckiest human of all time, and everything he did was right. Nick Foles, the Red Dwarf. Yeah. The luck virus. The, luck, <laughs> the 2017 Foles is the luck virus. I think he nailed it. So what do teams do in the draft this year? You're looking down the barrel at <laughs> Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and, and Matt Corral. I mean, look, I'm, I was getting this way anyway, but I'm starting to be convinced by this idea of chasing, chasing upside, which three, four years ago I would have railed against as like NFL idiocy, right? Like we did not like the Josh Allen pick at the time. We did not like the Daniel Jones pick at the time. That one is up in the air still. But like – the idea of just take the guy with the tools because we can modify that later, it didn't seem like a logical thing that you can do. It seems a lot more like a thing you can do now. You can actually take a guy with tools, put the right environment around him, work on his technique a little bit, and all of a sudden, bam, you've got something freaky out there. If, if I'm looking for that this year, I'm drafting Malik Willis. Man, I and I'm desperately trying to put a team around him as quick as possible. I think it's more than just tools, though. It is, of course, but like, it's it's natural playmaking. But you're being and, skewed towards that now. Yeah, and and I would say what it's such a delicate situation because you don't want to overcorrect either. You don't want to overcorrect, and all of a sudden you start you know drafting Blaine Gabberts. Not that even not that Gabberts even in the same world as Allen from a from a tool standpoint, but 
just because Josh Allen wasn't good at quick game in college, like those were the types of things that I would hold against him. Short area accuracy, a lot of his decision making. But him and Mahomes both had that natural playmaking ability. On the other hand, Justin Herbert didn't look like he had natural playmaking ability. So it's not always, you know, here's the last thing I saw. Mahomes and Allen, natural playmakers with great tools. Next time I see that, I'm all over it. Well, I didn't see, you, you didn't necessarily see that from Herbert either, so you still would have missed on him. But I think both those guys are also a really good example of how much supporting cast matters in college, not just the NFL. Uh, True. Because I, Herbert's supporting cast was crappy in college. Josh Allen's supporting cast was pretty crappy in college. Malik Willis didn't have this season that everyone thought he was going to have. On the other hand, it was his, his offensive line wasn't great. His receivers weren't amazing. Like His supporting cast is not the level of some of these other guys. I think that matters. Like Again, if you're, you take a guy with tools and you're saying, all right, why was he not the best quarterback we've ever seen? Or why was he not the best quarterback in the, in the, in the nation this year? Why was he not unquestionably the number one pick? How good was his supporting cast is probably the first question you should be asking. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely something to that. And all that said, if you knew, if you said, hey, we're going to draft the quarterback and they were throwing to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, two top five receivers, you'd be like, buyer beware. There's no way that quarterback, Joe Burrow, there's no way that quarterback can succeed at the next level. Because Burrow's got a worse receiving core now than he had at LSU. Well, yeah, yeah, true. But also, <laughs> and like, he has Jamar Chase. Take that, take that kind of dynamic and flip it on its head and say, all right, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you're saddled with Kirk Cousins for another year. It doesn't mean you're not drafting a quarterback in the first round. If you get a shot at a guy like Malik Willis in the middle of the first round, as opposed to you know the top five where quarterbacks normally go, like if you take the guy with super tools and the insane arm and the ability to make plays and immediately. You t- his receiving core goes from what it was at Liberty to now you're throwing at Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And by the way, you're probably getting Irv Smith back. And, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden that becomes a pretty interesting environment for a guy. All right. Well, we'll have much more. Um, you and I have both gone uh, much more in depth on Malik Willis than maybe some of the other quarterbacks. But uh, it's draft season for us as well. So we'll be evaluating. You got a mock draft coming out next week, too. Yeah. That everybody should keep an eye on. So we'll definitely break that down probably next week, next Wednesday show. Anything else you want to touch on today? It's a good discussion. I don't know if we concluded anything other than Allen and Mahomes are going to, and Herbert and some of these other guys, are going to ruin some of the uh, quarterback evaluation. And it happens to coincide in a year where we have no idea who the top quarterback is. Yeah, also that you talk uh, baseball way more than I talk rugby, according to the I'm at 15.38. Now, what's, uh, what's this going back to? Well, clearly, this is not just today's show. No. And did I get a tally because I said you're trying to hit a home run when I was basically quoting Lance Erlines? Yeah. So hit it, saying hit 1539. Uh-huh. See? Barry Bonds, MVP. Uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. You see? It's, uh, you can't argue Tracker. with that. Tracker. Facts. Uh, tell me about uh, Lencer. No. Yeah, see? You lose. Irish rugby's had a good couple of years. Look at mm. that, 350. I, could, I can go the other way, too. Yeah. Okay, you're rigging this now. They're 10 and 11, 12. They're, they're all playing well. 10 uh-huh. and 12. Yeah. Those guys are having a good run during the Euro Cups. <laughs> what? Yeah. What is this scale? Yeah, that's fair. That's I'm fair. getting crushed in metaphors, too. Yep. Yeah, that's about right. Well, the people like the baseball talk, so I'm glad I'm winning. Who are the people? Our listeners. Based there's, on what? There's way more positive feedback about my sport than yours. <laughs> Where? In the emails and uh, DMs and other places where we receive messages. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> and uh, surveys, our surveys. Uh, by the way, you can also get 25% off over pff.com, NFL Pod. It is NFL draft season, free agency season, all sorts of great stuff. Just for our subscribers, Edge and Elite users, 25% off using the promo code NFL Pod. So go do that. All right, that'll do it for us today. We got to preview the games tomorrow and then we got to do something else for the other 28 teams. What do you want to do? Free agency preview? I don't know. Touch on free agency? Maybe. We'll do something forward-looking after we preview the uh, AFC and NFC championships tomorrow. Sound good? Okay. All right, we'll be back tomorrow previewing the games and talking off-season stuff for the other 28 fan bases. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.